0: Now, we've been talking about some cultural issues here the last few weeks, and uh, we're going to be doing that again today. And I want to really point out, you know, it's not about us versus them. It's not about, you know, how do we combat uh, the world. It's about how do we transform ourselves through Christ that Christ through us can transform the world. Because God wants to call all people to himself. But, you know, we live in a time uh, that's just it's kind of crazy there's things that go on that you know if it wasn 't true, it would be hysterical, but you know we we just have such confusion out there. you know people are asking you know what are your pronouns or you know how do you identify yourself? you know Google tells us that a man can get pregnant um, you know that we see men being allowed to compete in women 's sports, which is really a, it's a it 's a travesty It's it's, it's wrong it's it 's going against everything that women you know, fought for 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 years, you know, we see women, locker rooms being invaded by men because they claim to be a woman. It's just craziness. We have a crisis of identity in our world. Last week, Rayo talked about how suppressing the truth or refusing to believe the truth leads to all kinds of delusions. I want to start with that verse uh, in 2 Thessalonians 2. And it says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. So as things go along, we see more and more people get sucked into this delusion and evil propagates. One example of that evil that we see is, that has been loosed on the world is the transgender movement. Transgenderism is the idea that a person may have a male soul stuck in a female body or a female soul stuck in a male body. Now, they wouldn't use those terms, but that's really what they're saying. And it's really it's a sad thing because it's kind of like they believe that there's something you know, more than just you know, the physical body that defines who they are. But they, they think, you know, someone screwed up at the, at the, at the factory making their, their body, and they got the order wrong, and they put the wrong people into the wrong places. You know, this is one of those things where you think, boy, the adults around these you know people that get, get caught up with this should know better, but they don't. And a lot of young people are really being hurt and even physically damaged because they don't understand... First of all, the fallacy of what they've been led to believe, but also they don't have the ability to make the kind of decisions they're making at a young age that's going to alter the rest of their lives. A little over a week ago, there was an article about a nurse who worked in a pediatric gender clinic. Her name is Jamie Reed. And she's blowing the whistle on the obvious harm that's being done to young people. So she's actually, she went into this thinking, I want to help these kids who are confused and this is a way to help them. They call it gender affirming. So it's the idea that okay these these kids are confused, we're going to affirm them in what they think they are and that's going to help them. You know, it's going to help alleviate their depression, their their suicidal thoughts, all those things. But what they're finding and what she found is that you know, it really isn't working out. And again, those of us who know the truth are like, of course it's not working out. But she's not a Christian. She's not a culture warrior or anything. She's, you know, someone who has no uh, spiritual view on this at all, but she understands that children are being permanently harmed in this process. You know, parents are being told, hey, you know, this will be good for your kids. This will help them deal with all this stuff. You know, if they don't, if you don't do this, they might commit suicide. I mean, that's the kind of thing they're being told, which is very manipulative. It's very, it's very um, you know, destructive to tell some, a parent that because, of course, they're scared. They care for their kids. So they're going to do what they can. But what's the result? What they're finding is massive disappointment. People are realizing that, you know, just doing something to your body doesn't change who you are on the inside. And so they go through this process, which is really a mutilation of their bodies and going on long-term medications that have very big adverse effects on some. And they're living with these painful side effects. And then they realize, you know what? I still don't know who I am. And that's the core issue. Who am I, really? What is being done to children at this point can only be called evil. And this is one place where I really think, you know, as a Christian, I I don't think we push for laws to change the society. That's not going to work. But in this case, it's like, yeah, we do need to push for laws that say don't touch children. You know, if you're an adult and you want to make these decisions, that's fine. But, uh, you know, we don't want to uh, see that being destroyed, seeing kids being destroyed. So as, as Andrew pointed out a couple weeks ago, it's really a battle of, of worldviews. You know, it's like the postmodern versus the biblical worldview. Who defines the truth? Who defines who you are? A biblical worldview says that God has revealed the truth. He's told us. He's revealed it through himself and the person of Jesus. And he's given us his word through the prophets and through the, the apostles that we can know what the truth is. The postmodern view, on the other hand, says there is no such thing as truth. It's all just up, for, up in the air for whoever defines it, however they want. A key problem with this is defining the truth based on feelings at a personal level is that reality can be a harsh teacher. Now, I'm going to put a picture up here. Janet uh, caught me the other day. I was up on the roof, and I was thinking about myself, you know, thinking, I'm not sure I believe gravity is true. <laughs> you know, I think if I launch myself off of this roof with enough belief... But I'll just float in the air. <laughs> Reality is a harsh, harsh teacher. So I can say I don't believe in gravity, and I can launch myself off the roof, but if I don't have a rocket strapped on my back, or some man- means of, of getting some lift and thrust behind me, or at least at a minimum, something to slow my descent, I'm going to hit the <laughs> ground hard. And at my age, that's not a good idea. <laughs> I'm probably not going to get up very quickly if at all. (laughs) Likewise, the culture tries to rewrite reality. And, you know, this is where, you know, we do have to pay attention because one of the the manipulations that's going on is they change the language, slowly change words, what they mean. And it's a long time known way of changing a culture is you change the language a little at a time and people kind of just get used to these things. Consider the worldview that people are being exposed to and and that some believe is right and they're pushing others into. Again, that you're not created in the image of God. So the next verse there says, God created them in his own image. Male and female, he created them. Again, if you believe you're a cosmic mistake, that you you, you, you just were made wrong, you got to fix something on the outside to make the inside match. That's a horrible place to be. You know, you're basically saying I must have been made at the human factory, you know, on a Monday morning before the the guy putting the bodies together had his first cup of coffee. <laughs> and I'll confess something here. When I was a teenager, I would have been a prime suspect to pa- fall into this category that I could be pushed into this idea because, you know, I wasn't always the, the impressive manhood that you see in front of you. <laughs> I was 112 pounds when I graduated high school. And, you know, so I was, I was someone that loved sports, but, you know, couldn't really make any of the school teams because, you know, I went to a high school of 700 per class, you know, wasn't even, wasn't even a question whether it was possible. Um. You know, I was a little bit more of, you know, the sensitive type. I was often lonely by myself, you know. Someone came along and said, hey, you know what your problem is? You're actually a woman in a man's body. I might have said, hmm, maybe that makes sense. You know, and it's sad that we think about kids are being taught this, and they're being manipulated into believing it, and it's causing them to go into these things where they they have surgeries, they go on, you know, puberty blockers that uh, can basically do all kinds of harm to the developing body, and it's sad. And this this nurse that uh, I re- referred to earlier, what she found was that kids were realizing after the fact this was a bad idea. There was a uh, one young woman who had this process that came back to the clinic, and she's like. I want my breasts back. You know, and that's it's tragic. It's, it's horrible that, that that kind of thing happens. So I want to compare that to what God's revealed truth is. And I want us to think about how do we become the, the beacons of truth and grace in this world that can help people to see that this madness that's going on isn't what they want, but there's a true answer and it's revealed in Christ, and it's revealed through his people. So let's go back to the beginning again, Genesis 1. We need to recognize that we're a child of God. We have the imprint of deity and a mandate to reign. Genesis one twenty six says, Then God said, let, man, let, may, yeah, let us make man in our own image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, And over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. And over every living creature that moves on the ground. So some important points here about God's beautiful design. We were all made in the image of God. In his likeness. There's a similarity between us and the creator. God is creative. So are we. God changes his environment. So do we. God has the ability to rule over things. And he's given us that ability as well. Second, we're made male and female. It isn't complicated. God wasn't confused when he made us. When he thought of you individually, he was not confused. He knew what he was doing. Does that mean all men are the same? They all have to have the same characteristics? No. All women have all the same characteristics? No. There's a spectrum, right? You know, some some men are more, uh, you know, the, the typical masculine man. Others are not. Other women are the more, you know, perfectly feminine. And others, you know, like sports. It's okay, I married a woman who loved sports, and that was a big reason why we got along. You know, <laughs> And she's better at a lot of them. Yeah, that's very true. She taught me how to play volleyball. Let's put it that way. Um, but again, male, female, it's, it's innate. It's biological. It's not, not an accident. We we're made with a mandate to rule the earth. And I I think what this means is that God has given us the ability to change things, to make it better. We should always be in that process of making the world a better place than it was before we got there. Whether it's in small ways or big ways, that's our mandate rule over the earth. And finally, we're made to be in God's family. You know, God did not create man for his, because he had need. He created man because he wanted to share his love with us, to invite us to be part of his family so that we can be together. So how do we get such confusion? Well, obviously, the problem is we're not, we're not where we were when God first created us. Man, mankind rebelled. Adam sinned, rejected God's perfect way, and every person since Adam is born into the sinful human race. Psalm 51 Verse 1 says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. And down in verse 5, it says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now, this is controversial for some. They think all children are born innocent, without any sin. That's just not true. We're all born with a sin nature. And if if you honestly, you know, examine any small child, you know that. (laughs) They're not innocent. They're selfish, and they're, they're, they're self-willed, and that's what we all are apart from Christ. We care about ourselves, our needs, our wants. I don't care about you because you're not me. That's the way we're born. So we need to, to grasp onto this. First of all, if you're not saved, if you've not given yourself to Jesus, you're not given your life to Jesus, you stand under the penalty of death already. It's not because you're a worse person than the next. It's that—that's how you were born. You're born with that sin nature. Everything you've ever done has been based on that sin nature. John three eighteen says this: Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So why live under this, the penalty of death when life is available to you? If you've never really surrendered your heart, I just encourage you, implore you today, do it. Don't stand on the fence any longer. Don't wait, because you might not have another chance. You don't know. Second thing that's very important about this is, because we're born in a sinful state, our hearts are deceitful and wicked. And they will lead us astray. Jeremiah 17:9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So, we see the guy there following his heart and his heart's leading him right off the cliff. That's the reality, you know, and we think that, oh, you know, follow your heart. That's that's what we all all hear all the time. But it's a lie this age. Jesus came to set us free. You must lead your heart according to your will. I think uh, Amy said that earlier. You know, we have to make those choices and choose to follow Jesus, not follow our hearts. We need to lead our hearts, not be led by them. John 8:32 says this: "You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free." Amen? We got that one up there? There it is. So God wants to set us free. Only the truth in God can do that. But what that can do is set us free. And I love this picture. You know, the horse is just running, man. That's what God wants. And I'm going to talk a little bit later about the Audubon of Grace that, that Rayo mentioned last week. That's what God wants for his people, is to be free from sin, to be running fast, and free in the, in the grace of God so that people look around and say, Wow, God is real. Look at what's going on. These people are not bound up in sin. These people are happy. They got joy. Even when bad things happen, they still get through it because they, they got the Spirit of God in them. That's what God wants for us, people. So, how do we discover the truth? I we'll have a little review here. A few weeks back, uh, Andrew talked about uh, worldviews. So, a couple of, couple of uh, comparisons here. The biblical worldview, again, it's revelation, right? God told us. So it's not something we had to discover. It's not something we invented. God told us. Okay? That's revelation. The materialist view, it's only what we can see. Right? So it's only what we can observe, test, measure. That means that spiritual stuff is just, it's out by definition. It doesn't exist. We can't measure it. And then the postmodern view, which is really where we are now in the world, truth is, it's arbitrary there is no such thing. It doesn't really exist. It it is what you say it is. So a couple of key, key points here. A biblical worldview, not only is it something that keeps you centered in God, it keeps you centered in reality. You read the Bible, it talks all about life and how life works. It's like if you stay centered in God's word, you know how to deal with your finances. You know how to deal with your family. You know how to deal with your employer. It keeps you anchored in reality. And it doesn't cause you any harm. It actually causes you to prosper. Even apart from the fact that the Holy Spirit is blessing you with, with a spiritual blessing that you can't even you know describe, it keeps you centered in reality. The materialist view, now it's going to be anchored in physical reality to a degree. But, you know, the ultimate thing is, it still is pointless. And that's the term nihilism. It's like, you know, a lot of the the things that went on in the, the 20th century with um, Hitler and Stalin and, and uh, Mao Zedong and all these guys, they were basically materialists. They understood the material world, that was all that mattered. People didn't really matter. They're just another part of the physical, you know, world. And so they could... Kill as many as they wanted, it didn't really matter. There was no basis for it. So it results in, in despair and, and human atrocity. The postmodern view is often at odds with reality. It just is, you know, again, I believe I'm a cat. There's people that say these things. I identify as, you know, a frog, whatever, you know. I mean, it just, it's crazy and it results in despair and chaos and self destruction. Honestly, there's things in the, in the, uh, the bigger picture of, like the world of energy, you know, people want to say, oh, you know, we just have to have wind and solar. That's going to make everything work. Well, I'm in energy, the energy field. I study this a lot. It doesn't work. And just because we say it, it works over and over again, doesn't make it true. And you see places like California where the electricity is really expensive, and occasionally it doesn't work. Why is that? Reality is it's a harsh teacher. We've got to deal with reality. Sorry. Sidetracked. That wasn't in my notes. It just, you know, (laughs) comes out sometimes. Okay. So specifically talking about transgenderism. God says, I made you. I made you. I made you a female. I made you a male. God says, I knew what I was doing when I made you. Do you know that every cell in your body has DNA. And in your DNA, it defines whether you are male or female. And if you took all the DNA in just one of you, one of your bodies, from every cell, stretched it out, it would reach to the moon and back 1,500 times. Uh, It blows my mind that our bodies can contain something that long. Obviously, it's very thin and very small. So, there are literally millions of miles of evidence whether you're a male or a female. And I'm making an extreme point here because it's like, this is reality. We've got to stay anchored in reality. So, the postmodern view says, I'll go with my feelings, I'll define my truth however I wish to. And I think this is the great lie. When it talks about God giving them over to a powerful delusion, I think this is it. There are no rules. Follow your heart. This is the great delusion of our age. We believe that, you know what, I can define what's true and what's not true. But what what this is saying is, to follow your heart means that you're defined by your sinful nature. It's a great paradox of confusion, which combines two thoughts. First thought is, you can define yourself to be whoever you want to be, and the second and contrary thought is, you can't change who you are. You are who you are. You can't change that. Follow your heart. You can be wherever you want to be. But you can't change who you are. It's like, okay. What is that? That's bondage. This is bondage. And this is why it's so heartbreaking when any Christian leader gets up and say, you know what, I think it's okay if someone identifies as a, as a gay or a transsexual or you know, any of these things, it's okay because God loves them anyway. It's like, yes, God does love them. God loves them so much that he wants to free them from the bondage of these things. God loves them so much he wants to reveal to them who they really are in him. You know, I talked about my example when I was younger. You know, I'm so glad that I didn't get caught up in something that would have stripped me away from what I ended up being. You know, I'm very happy and content with the the life that God has allowed me to live. You know, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I had my struggles with, with sexual sin in my, in my younger days, and I've, I've actually preached on that in the past. You can find it on the church website if you're curious. But God has set me free from those things. And God had, has helped me to grow into a man that can maintain a, a marriage for 34-plus years. And it's like it's, it's something I'm so glad wasn't taken from me by someone lying to me and me believing it when I was younger. And this is the kind of thing we need to think about. When we see someone trapped in these lifestyles, we shouldn't hate them. We shouldn't be angry at them. But we do love them. And we love them enough to not be afraid to share the truth. And the truth is, all of us need Jesus Apart from Jesus, none of us have any, any hope. Proverbs 24, 11 says, Rescue those being led away to, to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? So what is the message of hope? It's kind of funny because it's a two-edged sword, right? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. It says, do you, "Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived: neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, or adulterers, nor male prostitutes, homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the swindlers or slanderers will inherit the kingdom of God." And that is what some of you were. Were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. So, it, you know, again, when we try to justify people staying in a, in a state of sin out of love, it's like, is it loving for the, the adulterer to keep on cheating? Is it loving for the swindler to keep on stealing? Is it loving for the drunkard to keep on drinking? Or the greedy person to keep on being greedy and, and exploiting people? No. No. That's not loving. That's keeping them in bondage and putting them in a place where they continue to hurt others. God wants to change us all. Every one of us is a sinful person at heart before you get saved, before you come to Jesus and sacrifice, or I'm sorry, surrender your life to Jesus, accepting his sacrifice, taking on his life, and then it all changes. If I was defined by my sin, again, I'd I'd be, I'd be a horribly... I'd be a horrible person. I was a horrible person. I was selfish and, and sexually immoral. Won't go into that anymore. Okay, John, uh, John, verse 8, 31. Just to give a little more context about this passage. It says, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the key. Are you a son or a slave? Are you a child of God or a slave to your sin? So, how do we allow God to define who we are? Let's recap. We're created in God's image, but we're fallen in sin. Our heart is deceitful and wicked. We need a new one. We don't need to be rehabilitated. We need to be killed and resurrected. We're utterly sinful, apart from Jesus. Isaiah 64, I'm sorry, Isaiah 64, 6 says this, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf... In the wind, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Nothing is, is, is redeemable from our sin nature. Nothing. We have to give Jesus everything and start over. And if you've been saved a long time, you need to, to remember this. You're not saved because you've been good for X number of years. You're not more righteous because you've lived you know, long, you know, 40 years of Christian life. And again, it's not just sexual sin. It's not just, you know, the things we're talking about, you know, in our society right now. It's about laziness. It's about um, drunkenness, gluttony. How about jealousy? How many people struggle with jealousy in America? Most of us. I was expressing the things to, to my wife just the other day. You know, it's like, I always wonder, how do people afford, you know, my son was telling me he's working at a car dealership, you know, that the cars that he sells. It's like, how do people afford that? I can't afford that. Why can't I afford that? I want a $100,000 Escalade. Where's my Escalade? Anyway, we all struggle with with jealousy. That's a sin. That's a sin as much as sexual immorality. That's a sin as much as gluttony, as, as drunkenness. I was born that, this way is not an excuse, okay? That's one of the excuses of our day and age. Oh, go back to that one, yeah. You know, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm born this way. What's your excuse? It's not an excuse. We're all born this way. We're all born sinful. We all need to be changed by Jesus. So what do you choose Do you choose to agree with God or decide for yourself? If you decide to agree with God, then you need to repent and ask for his cleansing forgiveness. And he gives us a new heart and a new start. Ezekiel 36.25 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove you, move from you, your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land that I I gave your forefathers and you will be my people and I will be your God. This is so awesome. This is is what it's all about. And this is an Old Old Testament prophecy about what Jesus was going to do. Give us a new heart so that our hearts want to do what God wants us to do. It says he'll put our spirit in us, so it will move to want to do what God wants us to do. This is about getting on the Audubon of grace. Rayo mentioned this last week, you know, finding true grace, understanding that grace is like getting on the autobahn. What's the autobahn? No speed limits, right? Just go! That idea scares the heck out of me. I wouldn't want to be on there, but... Um, But when we find that grace of God and we're freed from the slavery of sin, you know, we need to be, honestly, Christians should be the most joyful, the most happy, the most life-giving people around. Right? God has forgiven us of all of our sin. We have a place in heaven waiting for us. We have a spirit in us that can guide and direct every day. When things go wrong, he's there with us. When we have hurt, he comforts us. We need to tell ourselves these things, then we need to tell others. God's grace is complete. Our salvation is complete. Jesus saves us from our past and future sins. Do you ever think about that? It's like when you get saved, it's not like, you know... I go home today and I, you know, I'm on the way home and I I say something wrong to my wife that I, and I get in a car accident and die, that I'm going to hell. It doesn't work like that. God's salvation is complete. Now, yes, I do believe you can turn away and lose your salvation. That's a whole nother series of sermons. But if you are in that place of following God, you're in grace. You're free. If you mess up, God's going to give you a course correction. He's going to show you, you know what? You're a little off here. Let's get back on it. He uses His Word, He uses the Spirit, He uses people around us to lead us. The point is, I'm not worried about, am I good enough to, to earn salvation? I don't have to be in that place. I am accepted by my father in heaven right now. I've not lived a perfect life. I'm certainly not complete. <laughs> I hopefully I'm still improving. But God accepts me right now. That's crazy. That's awesome. What does that give me? Freedom. It gives me freedom. I can run. If I stumble and fall, God's going to pick me up. If I make a mistake, God's going to correct me like a loving father. That's the autobahn of grace. Galatians 6, or 5, one says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So if we're alive in God and we're walking in this grace... We start to cast off sin because you know what? That's just a weight. Why would I want that? Why would I want that sin? It it doesn't do me any good. Just get rid of that thing. We become alive as a child of God. We read from, or Christy read from Romans earlier, and uh, this is the last passage I want to share here this morning. Romans eight. Verses uh, 9 through, through 17. It says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So if you don't have the Spirit of God today, give yourself to Christ. Surrender to Him. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which lives in you. That is so powerful, people. The spirit of God which can take a dead body in the grave and bring it back to life lives in us. The same spirit lives in us. It's going to give life to our mortal bodies. It doesn't say, you know, when you die and are resurrected, you get a new body, which you do, which I'm grateful for. Very hap- happy looking forward to that. <laughs> but he gives life to our mortal bodies right now. You are alive in Christ right now. You've been given everything you need for life and godliness right now. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. We're no longer bound to the sinful nature. Again, you might say, I was born this way, that's why I sin. It's like, well, if you're not saved, that's true. If you are saved, you have a choice. You can walk by the Spirit and, and get rid of the sinful nature. The Spirit Himself testifies with our Spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. This is our right as children of God. We are children of God, we are brothers and sisters of Christ, we are joint heirs with Christ. I do not know what that means. I mean that's that's awesome though, isn't it? We're joint heirs with Christ. We are princes and and princesses in the in the kingdom of God. I do not know what that means in the future. It's awesome. It's something more awesome than we can possibly imagine. So how should we live our lives now? In freedom on that Audubon of Grace, running hard, running fast, telling people about Jesus because this is the best thing ever. Jesus is the best thing ever. Being freed from your sins is the best thing ever. We don't have to go around condemning people for their sin. They know they're sinful. All we got to do is point them to Jesus and say, you know what, there's a better way. God came and he told us the truth so that we can be set free. And this truth is real. This truth can be stood upon because it is the truth of God that doesn't change. God is for us. God loves us. God gave everything for us. He won't withhold one thing from us. It says, if he gave you Christ, what's he going to withhold? Nothing. That's the best thing he had." (laughs) We have this to offer to others. To say, you know what? That life you're living, it's it's hard, it's sad, it's it's brutal. There's a better way. God wants to set you free. God wants to show you his love and pour it into your life so that you can be everything that God wants you to be. Isn't that great? So when we get angry at the things going on in this world, and I do, <laughs> my, my wife will tell you, you know, there's times I just, you know, you read something and it's just like you just your head explodes. But the thing that's going to change this world is us living according to the grace of God and telling people about the grace of God. We're not going to change this world through political means. We're not going to change this world through argumentation, as much as I love to do that. But when we live by the grace of God, and we tell people about the grace of God, and the love that he has for us, and the love that he has for every person out there, especially those who are hurting and brokenhearted, Christ wants to be near them. He's drawn to the brokenhearted. We should be too. So let's be that, people. Let's be on that autobahn of grace Let's run hard, run fast. And let's make a difference in this world. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you so much, God. Lord, you saved me. God, when I wasn't worth saving, and I know that. God, there was nothing in me that, that made you think, oh yeah, he's, he's special. I'm going to grab him because he's better than everybody else. No, I was an enemy of yours. I was running my own way, doing my own thing. But yet, God, you, you reached down. You humbled yourself. You took upon that cross the sin that I had committed, the penalty that I deserved, and you, you took it to the grave, and then you rose again. And you took it to the grave, and you left it there. And you rose again, and you became the master of, of sin and death. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you invited me to come into your salvation, Lord God, that I could be in Christ, that I could be forgiven, that I could be resurrected, that I could have a new heart, that I could be someone that you wanted me to be. God, I'm just so grateful for the, the goodness Of your love, Lord God. It says your goodness will follow after us all the days of our lives, Lord. And I've seen that in my life and I'm so thankful. Lord, I just pray that you would just set your people running. Set them running on the Audubon of Grace, Lord God, with just a freedom in Christ that just causes them to just blow the doors off of everything. God, that we would just become people that just can't be stopped because we're so full of your grace and so full of your love. Lord, you are so good. Help us to to just surrender every day to you, God, that you might work through us and continue to do your work in this world, Lord. We know you've got so much that you are still doing and want to do. Help us never grow discouraged or lose heart that we would just keep running for you, Lord Jesus. I just thank you and just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.